Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. My, my, my. This is the way the church is supposed to be. What we're doing right now. This is the way church is supposed to be. Supposed to be filled with hungry people. Worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Not quietly, because that's not scriptural. (laughs) Amen? It's good to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So why don't we do that? Make a joyful noise. We love you, Jesus. There's nobody like you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I'm just going to let you all know right now I'm country. And I don't know how to do anything else but country. And I figured the way uh, my GPS brought me here today that y'all are country too. Listen, you can mask it over with all of this black gospel choir stuff, but y'all are country. I know it. Y'all are country. And so I'm going to get country here for a few minutes. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I might sing and preach a little. I might sing a little, preach a lot. I don't know what's going to happen, but we're just going to have fun here tonight for a little while. Hallelujah. Is that okay? Amen, amen, amen. Let's do this. You ready, brother? Austin, crank me up. Amen. On the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord, waiting for the promise of the Spirit of the Lord. One hundred and twenty gathered in one place, fervently praying for the spirit of grace when suddenly there came a sound of rushing mighty wind the holy ghost began to be poured out upon all men and this is that that was spoken by the prophet joel hey this is that that was spoken by the prophet joel he said in the last days i'll pour out my spirit saith the Lord. Amen. Are you glad you know the Holy Ghost is real? Come on. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared under them cloven tongues like as a fire and a sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. Amen. Well, the Amen. I forgot the words after quoting all that scripture. Every man and you can't dispute the facts. The fire's still burning just like the book of Acts. He'll fill you with the Spirit. You will speak with other tongues. That's still the way that the Holy Ghost comes. Hey, and this is that. Spoken by the prophet Joel. I know this is that. Spoken by the prophet Joel He said in the last days I'll pour out my spirit Saith the Lord Well 
well, it's been 2,000 years and the wind's still blowing. The rain's still falling and the well's still blowing. The promise hasn't ended, you can't dispute the facts. The fire's still burning just like the book of Acts. He'll fill you with the Spirit, you will speak with other tongues. That's still the way that the Holy Ghost comes. Hey, and this is that. That was spoken by the prophet Joel. I know this is that. That was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said in the last days I'll pour out my spirit, saith the Lord. He said in the last days I'll pour out my spirit In the last days I'll pour out my spirit In the last days I'll pour out my spirit Say the Lord Yeah Come on anybody got the Holy I got the Holy Ghost, but I'm also glad I've got the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Brother Jerry Dillon said a while ago, he said, if you just spoke in tongues and you didn't get anything else with it, you just got a half baptism. Because the Bible says you need the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. The fire, amen, should be evident in the life of a Holy Ghost filled Christian. Amen. We need the fire of God to be operational. Everywhere we go, we ought to be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We ought to be able to pray people through to the Holy Ghost in the grocery store. Amen. We ought to be able to see people healed in Walmart somewhere. Amen. If we got the fire, then we need to let it burn. Come on, somebody. Amen. I want the fire. It sets us apart. I said the fire sets us apart. We shouldn't be having, and I know you don't, so I know I'm preaching to the choir here. But we shouldn't be having dead church. We shouldn't have churches that are going weeks without having people baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We serve a God who's alive. We serve a God who's doing more now in this world than he has ever done in the history of this earth. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I want to be right smack dab in the middle of it and say, God, if you're going to use anybody's hands, use my hands. If you're going to tell anybody's feet to go, Lord, let my feet go. If you're going to use somebody's voice, use my tongue. Use my tongue to preach. Use my tongue to sing. Use my tongue. I want it to be me. I'm not satisfied with somebody else's blessing. I'm not satisfied with hearing reports, amen, from other people's churches and other people's testimonies. Amen. I want it to happen with me. I want to see it. Do you want to see it? Because I'll tell you what, if you expect it, and you start to walk in it, and you start to pray about it, you'll start to see it. If you walk out your door on a Monday morning on your way to work, and you say, God, show me somebody who's hungry for the Holy Ghost, he'll show you somebody who's hungry for the Holy Ghost. Yes, he will. 
Well, praise God. There's a spirit of preach up in here. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. God is so good. I am so thrilled to be here. You can stand. You can sit. You can stand on your head in the corner and gargle peanut butter if you want to. But we're just going to... We're just going to have a good time tonight. I'm so honored to be here. I was not supposed to be here according to schedule, but according to the will of God, I was supposed to be here tonight. I was supposed to be at another church uh, close by tonight, and they had to cancel. And Pastor V picked me up, and I'm so thankful he did. And uh, man, y'all got it going on. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store in Potts Camp, Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, man. Y'all are building that new building, and you're going to fill it up before you know it. Amen. We're going to have to get unconventional with some revival because the buildings ain't big enough. We're going to have to get unconventional. We're going to, you know, well... We're going to have to start letting the Holy Ghost move in our homes. We're going to have to start having Holy Ghost prayer meetings and praying neighbors through in our homes, in our living rooms. Because the, the church buildings aren't big enough to hold what God wants to do. So we've got to get unconventional and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? Amen? Oh, God, I want to be part of it. I want to be part of it. I give honor to Pastor Vasquez, amen. I know his wife's not here, but give honor to her and their precious girls, Kate and Ellie, and uh, amen. So honored to be here, and I give high honor to Bishop Wilson, amen, and his awesome wife, amen. She came over to me, and she said, we're so glad to have you. I said, I can go to heaven now that I've been to Potts Camp, amen. Hallelujah. Jesus had to go through Bethlehem, amen. Hallelujah. He was our example, we got to go through Bethlehem. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, can I get real country? That was kind of Pentecostal country that I just sung, but this is real country. And so I don't know if you can handle this. I like singing old songs. How many people love old songs? Amen. I knew it. Praise God. Old people love old songs. Hallelujah. <laughs> As they gambled for the robe he wore, they chose an earthly trail, not thinking about eternity as the soldiers drove the nails. Listen now. Will we learn from what they've done or make the same mistake? He said, it's me or the world, my child. Which one will you take? Here's my answer. I'll take Jesus. Amen. Oh, I'll take Jesus. Oh, for I've tried those earthly pleasures and they 
say he says it's me or the world my child which one will you take oh i'm glad i made up my mind a long time ago amen he gets sweeter as the days go by he's never failed me he's never let me down and he never will hallelujah You see, when the pages of my life have turned and time has rolled away, all of the greatest things that I have done, they're not going to matter on that day. And all my earthly treasures that I have laid away, And this you'll hear me say I'll take Jesus Yes I will Oh I'll take Jesus Oh for I've tried those earthly pleasures And they fail And when you see the gates of heaven He says it's me or the world, my child. Which one will you take? Yes, it's me or the world, my child. Which one will you take? Hallelujah. Hope you got a made up mind tonight. Come on, give him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This world has nothing for me. Can I get an amen from somebody that God brought you out of the world? Amen. This world has nothing for me. This world has nothing to go back to. My worst day saved is better than my best day lost. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. That God brought me out of that mess. I grew up in a home filled with alcoholism and domestic violence and abuse and all kinds of stuff. And I'm not giving you a sob story. But I messed my life up as a teenager. I had no accountability. I could do whatever I want. I could go to any party I wanted to. Hang out with it. Come home whenever I wanted to. I had no accountability. And I messed myself up in that life and experienced everything that the world had to offer. And when it was all said and done, there was nothing left. Void, confusion, heartache, depression, nothing left. Do you ever think about where you'd be if you hadn't found Jesus? I mean, really. I mean, really think about it. You know, I feel it right here. You know a good indication of where you'd be? You look at the people you used to hang out with. And you see where they're at tonight. Let me get back here in the cheap seats for a minute. 
You look at the people you used to hang out with and the people you used to party with. Amen. Some of them are dead. Some of them are in prison for life. Some of them are so messed out of their minds they don't even know where they're at or what day of the week it is. But here we sit tonight in the presence of the Holy Ghost. Clear, right mind on our way to heaven. I'll tell you, it's something worth getting happy about. It's something worth shouting about. It's something worth running about. It's something to get happy about. If there's anything to celebrate, it's celebrating that we are set free tonight and we're on our way to heaven. I'll take Jesus any day. There's nothing in this world. Nothing. Money can't do it for you. If it could, we wouldn't have movie stars and country music stars taking their own life if it was money. Fame can't do it for you. Same reason. But you can go to little countries of the world where there's so much poverty. And you can find people living in cardboard boxes. And I've been there. You've been there. Living in cardboard boxes. Literally. And they are so happy. Because the joy of the Lord has overtaken their life. Amen. And has given them a reason worth living. Amen. They may be living in a cardboard box now. But one of these days they're going to be living on streets of gold. And in a mansion made by the hands of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's nothing in this world that will make you happy. I, I know many of you know this. But I'm talking to somebody right here. Amen. You've been dabbling in the things of the world. You've been testing things out on the market. Amen. Just trying to see if there might be something there. I came to tell you. You better rebuke. Rebuke that devil out of your life. You better get it out, cast it out, turn it off, switch it off. The Bible says it'd be better for you to enter into heaven with only one arm or one hand or one eye than for you to be cast into the lake of fire if those things are offending you. I want Jesus. I just want more of Jesus. I'm not standing up here tonight in front of you, a perfect human being that has it all together. But I can tell you one thing. I just want more and more and more of Jesus Christ. Just fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands than to be the king of a vast domain or to be held. 
than anything this old world affords today. See, I'd rather have Jesus than man's applause. I'd rather be To his dear cause, I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be my Lord. See, I used to be held. I used to be held in sin's red sweat. Oh, but I'd rather, I'd rather have you, Jesus, than anything this old world could afford today. I'd rather have you, Jesus, than anything, anything this old world could afford, afford today. Come on, I've got my mind made up. I've got my mind made up. Hallelujah, I'm going to make it. Amen. I said I'm going to make it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I started out to win this race, to serve the Lord and to look upon his face. Hey, but the way's been long and the way's been rough. Oh, but there's one thing for sure I've got my mind made up Yes, I've got my foot on the rock And my mind's made up Though I walk through a lowly valley Though I drink from a bitter cup Yeah, when the devil comes a-knocking Showing me an easier way Well, I stand right Swear on my feet I throw my head in the air I look him straight in the eye And say my foot's on the rock And my mind's made up Hey, now the devil, he will tempt you He'll fill your way with strife He'll make you sick in body Even try to take your life Oh, but put your trust in Jesus Say, Lord, I've had enough Hey, the Lord will say Move over, Satan, they've got their mind made up. Yes, I've got my foot on the rock and my mind's made up. Though I walk through a lowly valley, though I drink from a bitter cup, yeah, when the devil comes a-knocking, showing me an easier way. Well, I stand right, swear on my feet, I throw my head in the air, I look him straight in the eye and say my 
foot's on the rock and my mind's made up. Hey now, Job was a man who was tempted in every way. The devil took his family. He laid sick both night and day. Job's wife came and saying, just curse God, you had enough. Hey, but Job said, you talk like a foolish woman. I've got my mind made up. Yes, I've got my foot on the rock. And my mind's made up Though I walk through a lonely valley Though I drink from a bitter cup Yeah, when the devil comes a knocking Sure me an easier way Well, I stand right square on my feet I throw my head in the air I look him straight in the eye And say my foot's on the rock And my mind's made up Come on, you got a made up mind? No weapon formed against me is gonna prosper Hallelujah, come on, sing. Yeah, I've got my foot on the rock and my mind's made up. Though I walk through a lonely valley, though I drink from a bitter cup, yeah. When the devil comes a-knocking, showing me an easier way. Well, I stand right square on my feet. I throw my head in the air. I look him straight in the eye. I stand right square on my feet. I throw my Head in the air, I look him straight in the eye and say, My foot's on the rock, and my mind, my mind made up. I've got my mind I'm fixing to preach. All right, Bishop said, tell me about, tell you about a couple things I got coming up. So I'm going to tell you real quick while you're standing and getting your Bible and all that stuff. First of all, let me tell you real quickly what's out there at the table. Many of you were asking questions. If you like this kind of music and you want to buy a couple CDs, that'd be a blessing to us. If you don't like this kind of music and you buy a couple CDs, that'd be an even bigger blessing to us. Amen. It is just my opinion, but I think I'm right, that if you don't like Southern Gospel, you ain't going to like heaven. Amen. <laughs> At least Bishop agrees. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But there's four CDs out there. They're $15 or they're uh, $45 for all four of them. A free one if you do it that way. But we've got ties and socks and all that stuff. But here's what Bishop wanted me to tell you, because I know he's been to a couple of these. And uh, several others here have been. Uh, about five years ago, we started doing uh, all apostolic uh, concert events in vacation destinations. So we would get all kinds of artists together, 10 to 15 artists, all Pentecostal, apostolic. And we would go to a vacation destination for a few days. We'd have concerts every night. We'd just enjoy the area during the daytime. And we'd eat, have a good time. And we'd have hundreds of people from all over the place. And we also did... Uh, cruises, praise at sea, cruises as well. And uh, so all kinds of stuff. So we got a couple of things coming up with that in September. We've got praise in the Smokies in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And uh, you are going to love this. I promise you, if you love 
not only Southern Gospel, we've got other artists as well, but we've got the Will Banks and the Chandlers and Stan Cook and uh, Tim and Adina Pedigo, Larry Carter, Karen Harding, Mark Andrus is going to be our band leader. And we've got the entire choir from FAC Maryville coming. And they're teaming up with Vonnie Lopez, and it is going to be fantastic. And so 125 bucks for all three days, and it is an absolute blast. We just sing and sing and sing for like three hours every night. It is so much fun, and uh, it's a blast. And then in February, we haven't been able to do this since COVID, but uh, COVID canceled all the cruises, and that is not the will of God because I need some midnight chocolate buffets. Hello, somebody. And so we are this year, finally, after COVID, we are going again in February on the Praise at Sea, leaving out of Galveston, Texas, going to Costa Maya, Belize, and Cozumel, and uh, we are going to have a great time on that ship. And so uh, if you're interested, come on back, amen, and uh, we can give you all of that info. We'll even sign you up tonight. Just all you wives, just steal your husband's credit card and uh, don't tell him until it's time to go on the trip, amen. Don't do that. I'm just teasing. Praise God. Can I preach a little bit? Now, I'll warn you, I only preach probably less than 10 times a year as far as an actual message like this. I don't know if that means I'm a better singer than I am a preacher, but that most people want me to come in and sing. But I feel like preaching tonight, and so I'm going to preach and uh, praise God. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I already quoted this during my song. And you know it already, but I am going to read it again. This is the day of Pentecost. It is 50 days after Jesus died on the cross when 120 disciples of Jesus gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem to wait and tarry for the promise of the Father. And after Days of prayer, waiting expectantly in the upper room. Jesus fulfilled his promise, and we see that in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues. Like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. It was a miraculous day when suddenly the Holy Ghost fell. I saw on Facebook the other day, and don't get your theology from Facebook, but I just can't seem to get this out of my mind right now. And so my ADDDDDDDDD is making me tell it. But they said, we know that Bruce Lee was super fast. But he has an unknown brother named Sudden. And Sudden Lee, there came a sound. I know it's corny. It's cheesy. But I had to get it out. You got it. It's a dad joke. Us dads get it right here. Pray for us. We both have 16-year-old girls getting their driver's license. So pray for me and Pastor V. But it was a miraculous day on that day in the upper room. It was the birthday of the church as we know it. It was the date that would forever change the world and change your and my life forever. It was the day of 
fire and it was the day of infilling when God himself broke into that upper room in a rushing mighty wind. What a description of Pentecost. Rushing, mighty, powerful, invisible, but totally could feel what was happening. And Pentecost, just like that wind, the experience of Pentecost cannot be seen with the naked eye. But I assure you, as we can tell in this place tonight, it may not be able to be seen, but it can surely be felt. The invisible power of God flowing through the hearts and lives of men and women and changing them and setting them free, amen, is what Pentecost is all about. In John chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you can hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. We can't see where it comes from. Uh, we can't be praying with somebody down in the altar and say look over here to this wall. It's coming towards us right now. And when it gets right to where you're standing, you're just going to begin to speak in tongues. No. We can't see where it comes from. Uh, we don't know where it's going, but we can hear it uh, and we can feel it. Uh, and on the day of Pentecost, uh, when the wind of God filled their souls, uh, they began to speak in other tongues uh, as the Spirit gave them the ability and Jesus said you can hear the sound of it it's the external evidence of the invisible wind when you speak in tongues it's the external evidence that you can see and you can hear and you can feel of the invisible wind so is everyone that is born of the spirit not some who are born of the Spirit. Not those who are just born of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Not just the apostles. But Jesus said, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. It comes. You can't see it. But you can hear it. When the winds of God flowed into those disciples, they all, the Bible said begin to speak in an unknown tongue as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the ability just as Jesus said they would and not on them only but throughout the entire book of Acts. In Acts 10, the first non-Jewish person received the Holy Ghost. In Acts 10, 45 and 46, it said, And those of circumcision who believed were astonished as many came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had not been had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How do we know? Because they heard them speak in tongues. The promise didn't stop after the day of Pentecost. It continued on through the first century church. Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, Acts 22. Just as the prophet Joel foretold, the Spirit would be poured out. And the same promise that they received on the day of Pentecost is promised to you here tonight in Potts Camp, Mississippi. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and your children and to all that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call and I want to tell you very simply tonight if 
God is still calling, then the Holy Ghost is still falling. You didn't get that. Verse 39 said, Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I assure you tonight that God is still calling. God is still beckoning. God is still asking. Whosoever will, let him come. And if God is still calling, then the Holy Ghost is still falling. As long as he's calling, the wind of God is still blowing. It's still infilling. It's still outpouring. People are still receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. People are still speaking in tongues today. As the Spirit gives them utterance, they're still receiving fire from heaven today. And I want to tell Bethlehem Church that today is our day. We are the Pentecostals. We are the Apostolics. We are the ones who have received that same experience. So you can let the other denominations discount it. You can let the world ridicule it. They can say that it's no longer for us. They can say that it was just for the disciples. But we know the truth because the truth has set us free we've experienced it the promise is still unto us it's to our children it's to all that are far Y'all going to help me preach a little bit at 745? You got a little bit in you? After the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost, Peter said in Acts 2 and 16, I sung about it. This is that. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. This is that say it this is that there's not another that coming there's not another promise coming down the dusty road and then this is that which was prophesied by Joel. Amen. It was the cry of the 20th century Pentecostal church in the early 1900s when the modern Pentecostal movement was born again and people started receiving the Holy Ghost all across the globe. They began to cry, this is that. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter looked into that prophecy of Joel. Stay with me now. I'm going to teach for just a second. Peter looked into the prophecy of Joel to explain to the onlookers what was happening. On the day of Pentecost, there was all kinds of people looking, bystanders, rubberneckers, looking at what was going on. And when Peter said, this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel, he wasn't speaking to the church. He was talking to the onlookers. He was trying to explain to them. He was trying to explain it, as we say in the South, right? He was trying to explain what was happening 
to them by talking to the onlookers and by saying this is that by him quoting the Old Testament prophet he explained Pentecost to them he explained Pentecost to the curious he explained it to the critical he explained it to the inquisitive and to the indecisive he explained it to the doubtful and to the disbelieving Peter simply said this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel and listen by showing it in the prophets Peter was giving legitimacy to something that was shocking their minds they were looking at this saying what in the world is going on they didn't know what was happening but by reaching back into the Old Testament prophet he explained to them exactly what they knew. It had shocked them. It had confused them. It was something they did not understand. But by showing them, because they knew the prophecies inside and out, they knew exactly what Joel had wrote. They had been looking for it to be fulfilled. And so by reaching back into that Old Testament prophecy, Peter proved to them, this is not a weird thing. This is a word thing. This is not a peculiar thing. It's a prophetic thing. This is not an odd thing. This is a God thing. This is that. He reached back with something they were familiar with to show them today's events were orchestrated by God. This is that. God is doing what you're seeing right now. This isn't something that is made up by man. This isn't some sort of cult. This isn't something, amen, that we just, amen, conjured up in our own minds and opinions. No, this is that. Just as the modern religious people today try to discount the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Religious people back then did the same thing. I remember I was driving in my car. That's usually what I drive in. And I was driving in my car and I was in... Now most people in the world wouldn't know where this is, but there's people here who know where this is. Pearl River, Louisiana. How many know Pearl River? All right. Pearl River, Louisiana, just across the Mississippi line from Picayune. And I was driving in Pearl River, Louisiana. I was preaching and singing in a church there. And driving down the road, and I had Christian radio turned on. And they had this, I don't know who it was, some preacher on there. And he was given a verse by verse commentary of Acts chapter 2. And I got excited. I wanted to hear this guy's opinion when he got to verse 38. Because I knew he wasn't apostolic. And I wanted to hear it. So I don't know how many times you can drive around Pearl River by the end of that radio show, but I did it. Because I didn't want to get it about 38 times, once per verse. Because I didn't want to get out of my car. I wanted to see what this guy was going to say. And he's getting to verse 30, and I'm getting excited. 31, I'm getting excited. 32, 33, 34, I'm getting excited. Here it comes, 35, 36, 37. He gives his commentary on the verse of 37. 
and he skipped right over. Verse 38. Skipped right over. I almost went off the road. I couldn't believe it. Now, people who were listening in their cars, they probably didn't even really understand what he was doing. Didn't really see what was happening. But I knew what was in verse 38. And he skipped right over it. And just as modern people want to discount it today, people were doing it back then too. They made fun of the disciples. They called them drunk. Look at all these drunk people. They're acting like a bunch of fools. Look at them. They're drunk. No. Peter just responded with the word. See, the Jews were still mired in the deadness of the law. They didn't realize that a window had just been opened into, from heaven and that the veil was torn and that their religion that could not gain them access to God had just been surpassed by a fresh and a brand new encounter. They were so stuck on things that they had learned and seen for their entire life that they refused to see that what they had been waiting for was happening right in front of their very eyes. And just as Peter said, this is that. And just as the early 1900 Pentecostals cried, this is that. The church in Bethlehem, Bethlehem Church in Potts Camp, Mississippi can also cry, this is that. Because the same thing that Peter received 50 days after Calvary is the same thing that some of you are going to receive tonight for the very first time. Turn to someone and say, this is that. It's the same Holy Ghost that's in Acts chapter 2. It's the same experience. And just as they were endued with power from on high, so are we endued with power from on high and just as they spoke in tongues so do we speak in tongues this is that now people ask me all the time and they probably ask you too if you're witnessing at all they say what is Pentecost anybody ever had that question what is Pentecost. What exactly is this thing that you're talking about? If I could put it very, very, very simply, it would be this. Jesus was God with us. Pentecost is God in us. <laughs> because God himself comes to live inside of this. And, 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 and the Jews missed the first. And much of Christianity has missed the second. And we could ask the question today. Why is it that so many religious people today miss out on the power of Pentecost? Why do they discount it? Why do they deny it? And while there are many factors for this, I believe... That one of the reasons can be found in that very prophecy of Joel. You ready to go on a little lesson right here? I'm not going to keep you whole much longer. But they said a restaurant stays open for us, so. Does that mean they just keep waiting? Maybe, all right. Don't worry, I ain't going to keep you long. But listen, 
See, the prophecy in Joel chapter 2 can be divided into two distinct parts. The first part speaks of restoration. It's Joel 2, 25 through 27. If you're back there and you've got a good, quick trigger finger, get it up there for me. Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 25 through 27. It's the first part of Joel's prophecy. It speaks of restoration, and it says, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. I think I'm reading from the New King James, but you get it. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I sent you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God. There is none other. My people shall never be put to shame. Now, you gotta, I don't have time to go into all this, so just stay with me real quick. In the first chapter of Joel, the chapter preceding chapter 2, in case you didn't finish school. In the first chapter of Joel, it's prophesied that God's judgment would fall because of Israel's sin. It was said that their substance would be destroyed. Okay? It's the picture, if you follow typology, it's the picture of sin in our lives. That, that when we are in sin, one thing after another enters our lives to destroy us. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sin is never satisfied. It will devour until there's nothing left. And when the locust has its fill, the canker worm steps in. And when one sin is done devouring, another sin steps in to take its place. But God said that he would restore the years that the locust has eaten. That's what took place at Calvary. Jesus paid the price to reverse the curse. He paid the penalty for our sin by dying on the cross. The sin that had power over our lives like the locusts of the field lost their control. The canker worm, the palmer worm, the locust, the caterpillar, the sins that tried to destroy our lives lost their power at Calvary. Okay? That's when Jesus hung on the cross. He shed his blood. And the destructive power of sin lost its force. The penalty of sin was gone. The wages of sin was paid. Jesus gave his life. The curse is gone and a restoration began to take place. Friend, when we come to the cross and we ask God to forgive our sins, he washes us in his blood. He, he begins to restore our sin-stained lives. Condemnation is replaced by mercy. Guilt is replaced by grace. That's the power of the cross. But hear me. This is where most religions stop. Most modern religions stop right there. They begin to feel the wonderful restoration that happens at Calvary. And it feels so good to be forgiven. It feels good to repent. I don't want to get in a big battle here, but sometimes we don't put enough emphasis on repentance in Pentecost. We love putting on Facebook, we had 15 get the Holy Ghost. We had 10 get baptized. We never see someone say, we had 20 people repented of their sins today. Because we're scared. 
people think we're, we're compromising if we do that. All right? But the Bible says all of heaven, all the angels rejoice over one sinner that repents. I think we ought to get a little bit of happy in our churches. I know it's not done. I know it ain't over. But we ought to get happy when one sinner makes a decision to come to an altar and repent of their sins and ask God to forgive them. But this is where most religions stop because it does feel good. It does feel good to repent. It does feel good to, quote unquote, make Him the Lord of your life. It feels great. And they're sincere about it. And they want God. They want Him to be the Lord of their life. They want to ask Jesus into their heart. They are so sincere when they go to the cross and they repent and God forgives them. But wait. Because that was just the first part of Joel's prophecy. The restoration of the locusts had eaten was just the first part of Joel's prophecy. You can't stop with just the first part of the prophecy, you have to get the second part of the prophecy. There was still more to come. Because in, Acts, in Joel 2 and 28, that's the second part of the prophecy. After God said He'd restore everything the locusts had eaten, in verse 28 it said, And it shall come to pass afterward. Now I'm fixing to preach right here, so y'all better help me. He said, it will happen afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. So even though Israel had been restored, there was still an afterward. Even though the locusts were rebuked and the canker worms were destroyed, there was still an afterword. Even though they were forgiven, there was still an afterword. And the afterword was that God was going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Listen to me. Pentecost is God's afterword. They could have been content with getting their houses back. They could have been content with getting their crops back. With getting their blessings back. But God was not content with that. He said, I want to fill you with my spirit. It was something he had never done before. It was something new. See, today people come to church. And they get their lives clean. And they enjoy the blessings and the peace that comes with now being a follower of Jesus. And the locusts are rebuked and the canker worms are destroyed. Addictions are broken and sins are forgiven. But it was never God's plan for us to stop there. He has given us an afterwards. Somebody listen to this preacher today. I ain't real smart. But somebody listen to what I have to tell you today. Don't miss your afterward. Don't miss.
miss what God has for you after you're forgiven. Don't miss what God has for you after your family is restored. After you start coming to church with your wife and kids. After you're out of divorce court. After you're out of rehab. Don't stop with what God has restored and forgiven. God has an afterword for you. And the latter is so much better than the former. This is that. This is that. This is that. Pentecost is God's afterwards in our lives. And we're not complete. The prophecy for you is not complete until you experience God's afterward. Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The first part of Joel's prophecy dealt with restoration, but the second part dealt with the infilling. The first part was cleansing the cup, but the second part was filling the cup. And what was cleansed at Pentecost, or what was cleansed at the cross, was filled at Pentecost. They're all... Listen. There always has to be a restoration before an infilling. God can't fill you in your broken state, in your unforgiven state, in your sin-ridden life state. There has to be some sort of restoration first. You have to be forgiven first. The cross has to start its work first before you can be forgiven or filled. I'm sorry. It always precedes an infilling. Israel had to come out of Egypt before they could enter the promised land. Ezekiel's vision of dry bones, the bones had to be restored before God breathed life into them. Restoration precedes infilling. But too many people stop at the blessing of restoration without moving on to the Holy Ghost. Music come, I'm going to quit. I know you've been around church any amount of time. You've heard this illustration before. But quickly, while we're ending here, just think about the story of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. When God called the nation of Israel out of Egypt, His purpose was to bring them in to the promised land. When they were delivered from Egypt, the bondage was broken. The chains were destroyed. They were no longer slaves. The labor was over. The toil was over. And they were restored. God was not finished. Their destination, the whole purpose of the restoration was to bring them into the promised land. It was a shadow and a type of the Holy Ghost. But what I'll never, ever, ever, ever understand 
is as they walk through the wilderness, I will never wrap my head around that there were two tribes, two and a half tribes, that looked around in the wilderness and said, This ain't half bad. I mean, it's a lot better than where we came from. I think I could live right here. I don't need the promised land. Y'all can go ahead if you want to. I don't need the promised land. I'm satisfied with living in wilderness I'm satisfied of living in an unfulfilled promise I'm satisfied in living in a place of not quite there they had received the restoration but they had not received the land of promise and yet Reuben Gad And half tribe of Manasseh said, we don't want it. We're content with living right here. What a picture of so many modern day religions. Listen, I'm not here to put any church down. I'm not not naming names. Check. I'm not naming. I'm not. I'm not naming any of that. I'm just saying there's so many churches who are content to live in a dead, dry state. And I, I better be careful right here. And I know this ain't one of them. But there's a lot of Pentecostal churches who are getting mighty close to living in the wilderness. There's a lot of churches who call themselves Pentecostal. Some of them, I'm going to get the curses from you too. Some of them, I, I won't be back, so I'm sorry. He's not having me back after this. There's a lot of apostolic churches named, in name, who are becoming dead, dry, no different than another denomination down the street. I'm telling you, it's happening. It's happening. They're content. They're content with where they're at. And they're giving up the promise. I've seen churches do it and go all the way. You have too, Bishop. They all of a sudden get some new revelation that they don't need certain things. And they're content to not only not live in the promise, they're content to leave the promise and go back to the wilderness. Let it never be said, my friend. Let it never be said of you and your family.
or your kids that you are content to live in the wilderness. That you're content to live shy of the promises of God in your life. That you're content to fall short. You will lose out with God. Your kids will lose out with God. Your grandkids will lose out with God. And your family will go to hell. Well, I'm, I'm getting pretty bold right here. Your family will go to hell. Being content to live in an unfulfilled promise. I don't know why I'm saying all that. Bishop, I've never said this before. I don't know why I'm saying all this. But I counseled with a man who was fully apostolic and he said to me, I'm just not sure we need all of this. I'm just not sure we need all of this shouting. And we need all of this holiness stuff. And we need all. I'm, I'm just not sure. So I'm taking my wife and I'm taking my kid. And I'm going over to this place. And I looked him square in the eye. And I said, when you are an older man, you will look back and not even recognize your family. And your kids won't even know what the Holy Ghost is. And your family will be lost because of this decision that you're making right now. Content to live in the wilderness. I don't want it to be said of me that I have a form of godliness, but I denied the power thereof. The Holy Ghost is for you, my friend. The promised land is for you. You are the one tonight who can come to this altar and you can repent of your sins and you can get the first part of Joel's prophecy. But it's not going to stop there for you tonight because you can raise your hands to heaven and God will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you will begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance and you will leave here tonight saying, this is that. This is that. What is it? It's what I've been waiting for my whole life. It's what I've been searching for my whole life. It's what I've been waiting for God to do in my life. I finally found it. I finally found it. I finally found it. This is that. I've never seen anyone get the Holy Ghost and leave disappointed. I've never seen anyone get the Holy Ghost and leave depressed. I've never seen anyone get the Holy Ghost and say, well, that wasn't all it was cracked up to be. No, but I've heard them say, why did I wait so long? Why did I search for so long? I finally found that which my soul has been longing for.
I don't know your history tonight. I don't know where you came from. But if you're in this house and you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, or maybe it's been a long time and you need to get it all over again, I came very simply tonight to tell you, don't miss your afterwards. Don't miss the afterwards. Don't miss what God has for you. Come on, if you're hungry, I would run to this altar. If you need something from God, I would run to this altar. I would throw my hands to heaven and I would begin to say, God, give me the Holy Ghost. God, give me the Holy Ghost. It's free. It's free. It's for you. It's your view. It's for you. Come on. Come on. Find somebody to pray with. Ask them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Come on. Ask them in the pews. Ask them in the seats. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Come on. Tell them. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. We're going to get it tonight. We're going to get it tonight. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. That's it. Come on, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Come on, take him by the hand. Come on, we're getting the Holy Ghost tonight. We're getting the Holy Ghost tonight. Some of you haven't spoken in tongues in a long time. You need the Holy Ghost again. Some of you haven't spoken in tongues in a long time. You need the Holy Ghost again. Come on. Don't miss your afterwards. Don't miss your afterwards. Come on, don't look at me. Pray with somebody else. Come on, get a good dose of the Holy Ghost. Find somebody to pray with. Say, come on. Come on, we're getting a good dose of the Holy Ghost tonight. We're getting it all over again tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You're the one, God. You're the one, God. Holy Spirit, lead us to your heart, oh Jesus. There is nothing. Come on. If you're a prodigal, if you're backslidden, if you're away from God tonight, I would get right in this altar. I would make sure I pray through in this altar. I would make sure I get right with God in this altar tonight. Don't leave here without your afterword. Don't leave here without the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you.
I'll provide. 